Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us as we seek to meditate upon your statutes even now. And we pray that we would be meditating upon them so that we have more insight than our human teachers. Oh, Lord, we pray that we would know that this is a book not simply written by men, but it is written by the power of your spirit as you used men to record your words so many years ago. And so, Lord, we pray that we would recognise that here is truth. Here is true knowledge. Here is true wisdom. And so, Lord, we pray that we would feast upon your word even now. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through John chapter 14 together, and this is the discourse that is given by the Lord Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper. So he has just shared a Passover meal with the disciples. Judas has left to go and gather up soldiers to come and arrest Jesus so that he would be crucified. And so before he goes, the Lord Jesus has some parting words to his disciples. And he's spoken to them about the subject of love. And he's even displayed at this Last Supper an act of love by the way that he washed the disciples' feet back in chapter 13. And and then he spoke about the love that the disciples should be uh, expressing for one another in chapter 13, verse 34. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must loved, love one another. But now he returns to the theme of love in John chapter 14, verse 15, but not love for the disciples for each other, but love for him, love for him. And we see that in verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus is answering the question here as to how you would show love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a question that people have whenever someone says that they love another person. The question is, well, how can you see that that person really loves somebody else? Because we can say lots of loving things. We can say that in speech. We can say it in song. We can say it in writing, little love notes to someone. And you can say, oh, look, there's evidence that that person really does love the other person by the things that are said. But here we see that to show that we are lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ, lovers of God himself, it is shown by obedience. And the Lord Jesus wants to make this very clear in chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 15, I just read that. If you love me, you will obey what I command. But look with me also at verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And then verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then verse 24, He who does not love me, will not obey my teaching. Here we see again and again, Jesus is reiterating the way that we show love for him, and it's by obedience. And this fits with what the Apostle John says in his letter in 1 John. 1 John has so many parallels with John's gospel itself. You can see uh, the, the, the em emphases that are given by the same author who wrote both books. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, we read, he says to the church, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. How do we show love? Not with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And that is what the Lord Jesus is showing here, that if we say we love him, then that should be shown 
by obedience to his commands. Now, what are his commands that should be the ones that we're following? Well, the first commands that we have from the Lord Jesus are, of course, repentance and faith. We need to repent and believe. And particularly in John's gospel, the word repentance actually isn't in John's gospel, but the word trust, belief, is right through it again and again. We even see at the end of the gospel that he says, these things are written so that you may believe. He wants us to believe. The work of God is to believe in the one that has been sent. And that is what we do if we love God. We will repent of our sins and we will trust in the one that has been sent. We'll trust in the Lord Jesus. But also there's the moral laws. Uh, Jesus gives many commands uh, throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But particularly if you think of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount beginning in chapter 5, there are lots of commands given there from the Lord Jesus Christ. And those are the ones that we would be keeping if we claim to love him. But there's other commands that are given. Of course, the whole of the Bible is written uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is given by the power of the Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ from God the Father. And throughout the New Testament particularly, there's all kinds of commands about if you are a Christian, then you should be baptised, uh, you should celebrate the Lord's Supper, you should be a person of prayer, you should give financially, you should be uh, witnessing to others, you should be meeting together with other believers. All these are commands that the Lord Jesus has given, and that if we love him, we will be keeping them. Now, some people don't really like these, this kind of teaching from the Lord Jesus Christ, the command to obedience. Why? Well, they claim to love Jesus, but they don't love his law. They don't love his commands. And they're the kinds of people that we call, generally speaking, antinomians. Here's a new word for you to learn today. Antinomians. Anti being against, and nomian uh, coming from the Greek word law, nomos. And so someone is an antinomian if they do not like the law, if they're against the law. And these kinds of people are rife throughout churches. They want Jesus to be their saviour, but they don't want him to be their Lord. They don't want to do what he says. They claim God is love, and as long as we profess love for him, we can do what we like because Jesus has paid it all. He has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, past, present, and future. And so it doesn't matter what we do as long as you trust in Jesus, as long as you recognize his love for you, then you're okay. And they claim that people who would tell you to be obedient to God's law are legalists. They're legalists. They're people who love the law. And Christianity is freedom from legalism. We don't have to keep the law anymore because we're under grace. Well, such people would have to accuse the Lord Jesus here of being a legalist, if that is what they're saying. If you don't have to worry about the law anymore, then what is the Lord Jesus doing? Saying in verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. The problem for antinomians is the Lord Jesus is against them. And that is a scary place to be. Why? Well, the Lord Jesus is very clear here that they do not actually love Jesus if they do not keep his commands. In which case, if they do not love Jesus, then they are destined for hell. If they're outside of Christ, then they're destined for hell, not for eternal life in heaven. But for those who truly love Jesus and keep his commands, there's much encouragement in this passage. What is the encouragement that is given to us in this passage? Well, verse 21 says that we'll be loved by God the Father and God the Son. In verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. 
He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. If you obey God's commands, there's a promise here that he will love you, that God the Father will love you, and that Jesus Christ will love you. Now, what extent will he love us? How will he show his love to us? Well, verse 23 tells us the extent of God's love. It's this profound truth that is given to us. Verse 23 tells us that God will himself will live in us. Verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will come to him and make our home with him. If you love the Lord Jesus and you keep his commands, he actually lives inside you. God lives inside you. The Lord Jesus lives inside you. And the Holy Spirit also lives inside us. And that is actually how we understand that the Father and the Son live within us is by the power of the Spirit. And that is actually taught to us in this passage as well. Look at me with me in verse 15 again. Verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will obey what I command And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. God's going to give you a counsellor. Who's that counsellor? Verse 17, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Not only do we have God the Father living in us, not only do we have the Son living in us, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us that we have the Father and the Son inside us. Now, this raises some questions for us as we look at this text because it seems to be that Jesus is saying because of our obedience, because we love God and obey his commands, then the Spirit comes and lives in us, then the Father lives in us, then the Son lives in us. Is that true? Because of our obedience, then God comes and dwells within our hearts. No, that's actually true legalism. That's what legalism actually is. If you keep God's laws, then God will come and dwell within you. You actually earn merit with God, and through him coming and dwelling within you, then, of course, you have the eternal life that we look forward to. When does Jesus start living in his people? Well, it's when the Spirit regenerates a heart. At the cross... Jesus bought the house and paid the utilities for eternity and then comes and takes possession by regeneration, by the power of his spirit. And then once God has taken up residence in our hearts, then we actually love God. And then because of that love that we have, we keep his commands. So what are verses 15 and 16 and 17, talking about the Holy Spirit coming as a result of love and following in obedience, and then verses 23, talking about the Father and the Son coming to those who love him? What is it talking about there? If we understand that we cannot actually love God and keep his commands until he has already started dwelling within us. Well, I think what it's been spoken of here, it's not really a linear line of you start here and with love and then the Lord comes and dwells within you. It's more of a circle, if you can get the idea of a circle going on here. So the Lord comes, takes up residence in your hearts by regeneration. And then because of that, you love God. And because of that love, you keep his commands. And then 
It comes back again. Because of your love for him, he then draws closer to you, nearer and nearer, and it goes round in a circle. You and God comes, dwells within you. You love him. You keep his commands. He draws closer to you. You love him. You keep his commands. He draws closer to you, and it keeps going round and round. And this is something that is taught in other parts of scriptures, and one of the clearest examples is in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And the Lord Jesus is teaching that if you want to come near to him, how does that happen? How do you have the Lord draw closer to you in his presence within you and his love for you? Well, it's don't just have Christ's rules, it's obey Christ's rules. That is what he said to us in verse 21. Whoever has my commands, <coughs> excuse me, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. It's not good enough to have a copy of the law. You're meant to put it into practice. And those are the ones who love him, and those are the ones who he will draw closer to and love all the more fervently. And so although God will never leave, we must understand that he can withdraw his smiling presence from his people. After his sin, the King David feared what did he say in Psalm 51? He committed the sin with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. It says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, the Lord never leaves or forsakes his people. But David is recognizing that he can be cast out of God's presence in some way. And he is undone as he's coming there in Psalm 51. He is so fervently upset about his breaking of God's commands that he is worried about the withdrawal of God's presence. Paul also warned, the Apostle Paul warned, that we can in some way put out the Spirit's fire in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. And so we can quench the Holy Spirit in some way by our disobedience. Whereas by obedience, God can draw nearer to us. And we see this in other parts of Scripture. After faithfully evangelizing, we read in Acts chapter 13 that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Does that mean those disciples weren't filled with the Holy Spirit before? No, of course they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit living within them. But he filled them in such a way that is greater than before. They know more of his presence and then the Old Testament particularly has so many texts about talking about the Lord's face shining upon someone. And it's not that he didn't look at them previously, but it's a way that he smiles upon them in a new way as they are more and more faithful to him. And that comes out in Numbers chapter 6, the, the priestly blessing that we know so well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Does that mean that they didn't know God's grace, his peace beforehand? Yes, of course the Israelites knew the peace of the Lord. But they, there was this desire for a greater presence of the Lord in their lives than ever before and a greater love experience from God. And it makes sense that we should show ongoing love and obedience to those that we live with, that we should be obedient in the homes that we live in. In shared living, there's always house rules. If you open it, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you unlock it, lock it. If you break it, fix it. If you borrow it, return it. If you make a mess, clean it. If you move it, put it back. And what happens if you break the house rules? When you open it, you don't close it. When you turn it on, you don't turn it off. When you unlock it, you don't lock it. When you break it, you don't fix it. When you borrow it, you don't return it. 
When you make a mess, you don't clean it. When you move it, you don't put it back. What happens in such a house? Well, the others in the house don't show us much love. They don't want to do nice things for us. They don't want to share their food with us. And others in the house, they may not want to be particularly present while you're there as well. They stay away when you come home and go to another part of the building. And it doesn't matter how much you say, oh, I really like living with you. You're such a wonderful person. I want to stay here for a very long time and be with you. Such words fall on deaf ears if you are disobedient to the house rules. It may be that you still live together, but there certainly isn't much affection and time spent with one another. And sadly, that's how some Christians are. They're like a housemate who speaks lovingly to God, says all nice things, but doesn't actually keep his house rules. They come to church and sing lovely songs about Christ and God. They say amen to the prayers. They comment after the sermon that that was a cracker and affirm Christ's rules to others in the time after the service. But then what do they do? They go out and break the very rules that they just affirmed. And they then don't understand why God frowns upon them in their life, why they experience so much distress in their life and so much discontentment instead of peace. Don't be so daft. You're damaging the relationship you have with God by breaking his commands. If we did it to any human that we lived with, we wouldn't expect them to put up with it. If we broke somebody's house rules all the time that we were living with, we wouldn't expect them to put up with it. So why should we be surprised if God becomes increasingly distant from us if we keep breaking his laws, if we're not interested in what Jesus commanded and we think it's okay to be disobedient to it? Why should we be surprised if God becomes increasingly distant from us? So what should you be doing? Well, you should be studying the house rules. God lives in you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Wonderful. You're in one house together. Your soul's there, and they're there by the power of the Spirit. What should you be doing? You should be studying the house rules, and you should be uh, working hard at keeping those rules. We should be keeping those rules, because if we're not, well, verse 24 tells us the truth, the painful truth. Verse 24, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. If you're not keeping the house rules, then you're not a lover of God, despite what you say. But the best thing to do to help you to keep the house rules is to spend quality time with the other residents of the house. So that love for them increases and you won't resent keeping the house rules. Imagine living in a house, a shared house, where you didn't spend much time with the other housemates. You never had a meal together. You never did anything fun together. You didn't even speak to one another for whole days, sort of grunted each other as you walk past in the hallway, potentially. But definitely no conversations at any length. It wouldn't be surprising if we didn't have much motivation to follow the house rules of the other residents particularly those rules that we don't like, like putting the toilet seat down or packing the dishwasher, say, ah, oh, can't be bothered doing that. And what's wrong? You've lost the love for the other person in the house. But imagine a household where you say good morning and good night 
to one another. You spend every meal together. You read books together and play games together. You go out together and do fun things with each other. And you have long chats with each other about yourself, but also the other person's interests and concerns. Keeping the house rules would be a cinch for such a resident. In fact, it would be a joy to do even the rules that you don't particularly like. You really don't understand why that rule is in the house. But you do it anyway because you love the other residents within the home. That's what we need to do with the Lord. We need to get closer to him and love him more, spend more quality time with him. And then as that love increases, then of course a desire to keep his rules would be improved and increased all the more. I was talking to a friend this week and he was talking to another friend of his who's not a Christian. And that non-Christian friend had a real problem with one particular law of God and said, I can't accept Christianity based on that rule that is being given. What's the problem there? Is the problem with the law? No, ultimately the problem is with the lawgiver. If that person, if she actually loved the Lord, she wouldn't have a problem with the rules anymore. The problem is she doesn't want to recognise her creator. She doesn't want to acknowledge that he has a right over her life. And she has no understanding of that that God who created her is a good and gracious and merciful and loving and compassionate God. If she knew all those things, then it wouldn't be a problem to have that law followed by herself. So don't be that housemate, the one everyone has a problem with in the home, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a problem with. Be a housemate who spends time with God every morning and every night, getting to know him better. Be the housemate who cries out with David, oh, how I love your law. Can you actually say that? Oh, how I love your law. Why could David say that? Because he loved the law giver. Can you cry out, oh, how I love your law? Because you love God. You really love God. And so, of course, you love his laws. And, of course, you want to keep his laws. Have you felt distant from God lately? Is it because you've been ignoring his house rules and he's been frowning upon you and withdrawing from you? Let's come to God in prayer now. Let's speak to him. Lord, we thank you for loving us and coming to dwell in our hearts by your spirit. Thank you for creating in us a love for you. May we keep your commands so that we experience your love and your presence in increasing measure. O oh Lord, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is our plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Amen.